Welcome to the Climb Your Mountain podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Maurer, a certified personal trainer, high altitude mountaineer, and ultra runner. Each week, I show you how to train, eat, think, and live like a mountaineer so you can boost your chances of reaching the summit. My passion is to empower people of all ages and sizes to get outside and live lives of adventure. Remember, mountain climbing will never be easier than today. So let's dive into the show. I always tell my athletes to treat themselves like Olympic athletes, but what the French toast does that actually mean? How do you act like an Olympian when you're a hobbyist athlete with no sponsors, a full-time job, and kids who are eating crayons behind your back? The truth is that you will probably never have the luxury of training 40 hours a week like Simone Biles or John John Florence, but do you know where you can be exactly like a champion? Your mindset. And between you and me, I think that's where all the magic happens in training. So today, we'll look at five things champions don't do that you shouldn't either. Ready? Let's do this. Today's episode is brought to you by my course, Mountain Fit, Self-Coaching for Mountain Athletes. So congratulations, you've signed up for a mountaineering trip or a long distance trek. Now, how the French toast do you get in shape for it? You could hire a coach to help you, but the ones who actually understand our sport are so damn expensive. And even if you get a good one, no coach is ever going to understand your lifestyle, your schedule, and your body the way that you do. The truth is you will always be your own best coach. You just need to know what to do and when to do it. That's why I created Mountain Fit. This online masterclass is the roadmap you've been looking for to help you reach your fitness goals. In this course, I walk you step-by-step through everything you need to transform yourself into a diesel-powered hiking machine, even if you're starting from absolute zero. By the end, you'll know how to assess your fitness level, write a training plan that gets results, and choose the best exercises for your goals. And if you need a starting point, I've included 40 weeks, that's 40 weeks of training plans you can adapt for your own season. So stop wasting thousands of dollars on Tracy, the big box gym trainer who has never hiked a day in her life. Learn how to train yourself with Mountain Fit. To check it out, just click the link in the show notes. Hope to see you in there. Hey friends, how you doing? I'm good. I actually had a really nice weekend. I took off on Thursday night, went to Crestone, Colorado, which is an amazing place. If you've never been there, I highly recommend it. Little hippie town, lots of fun. And then yesterday, when I was back on Sunday, I actually went for a long run, which is not so long right now because I'm on my taper. But man, what a run it was. It was 14 miles. It was on a trail I had never been on before, and I didn't realize it was going to be like a ton of just itchy weeds. There were two bees that came. I think they were bees. I don't know. Whatever they were, they stung me. They were bitey bugs. And then it was really hot because I slept in, so I get a late start, and I ended up getting heat exhaustion. And it was kind of funny. I was about probably like two, 300 feet from my car, and I literally just sat down. I'm like, I can't move another step until I just sit for a minute. And then, you know, finally, like, dragged my ass back to the car, had some water, had some food, sat there with the air conditioning blowing on me, and felt much better. 
recovered pretty fast and was able to drive home. But I tell this story because we're going to actually talk about social media and the less glamorous side of endurance training in this podcast. And we'll come back to that story, I promise. So what are we talking about today? The Olympics have started. They might be almost over by the time this episode drops, but hopefully you'll be really pumped up from watching all the Olympics. And I got this podcast idea to talk about the five things champions don't do and you should neither. After reading an awesome blog post by cycling coach Chris Carmichael, Chris wrote pretty much the exact same framework we're going to talk about for cycling and ultramarathon athletes. And I thought, ah, this would be really fun to take his framework and really apply it to mountaineers and outdoor athletes. It also includes trail runners, trekkers, hikers, all of you listening to this podcast. So yeah, that's what we're going to do today. And one of the things that Chris pointed out that I think is really cool is that when we think about champions. We think in our sport, in mountaineering, trail running, we think of people like Steve House, Courtney Dillwalter, Conrad Anker, Nims Perja, Killian Jernay, Lynn Hill, Jennifer Fire Davis, like all these people that have achieved these amazing feats. The thing to remember is that they probably train in ways that are pretty similar to you. Although they're doing it in greater volumes, they're going out and they're doing their long workout. They're doing their speed work, their tempo work, all the things we talk about on the program. And the thing that Chris Carmichael talked about that sets them apart is what they don't do. And really, these are their habits of mind. And these are the things that just make such a huge difference in your mountaineering or trail running or trekking, hiking career, your longevity, and what you're willing to attempt. So I'll put a link in the show notes to the original blog post by Chris Carmichael. I definitely think it's worth a read. And I'm going to add a little bit here of stuff that may be a little bit more relevant for our amateur athletes and specifically outdoor athletes like you. So let's dive in. So what are the five things that champions don't do that you shouldn't do either. Number one, they don't get discouraged by the weather. This is so perfect for us as outdoor athletes. It's like he made this one for us, even though he was probably more thinking of cyclists and roadrunners. And here's the thing. We train as if the weather is always going to be awesome. I've talked about this in the last episode on becoming mentally tough about how I see this so much in my clients. They'll write to me and they'll say, well, you know, you have me scheduled for a long hike and it's snowing here. So I'm going to stay in. And here's what's going on. Here's what I want you to understand. The reality is when you go on your goal trip, wherever that is, the weather is going to be awesome about 20% of the time. And it's there's also a 20% chance it could be truly horrible. And honestly, about 60% of the time, it's going to be a mixed bag. Like it might be the temperature is good, but it rains or there's no precipitation but the wind is blowing. There's always something that gets in the way. So 80% of the time, you're going to have less than ideal weather. There's no science on this, but I'm speaking from experience here. So I always think it's funny. I have people who are training in the spring for Colorado 14ers, for example, that they're going to climb in the summer. And they say things like, oh, I can't go out and train in the snow or it's really cold. Friends, 
do you realize where you're going? <laughs> and just a story to kind of give you an idea. The first time I went backpacking in Colorado, it was on June 2nd. But it's the summer, right? Like, especially for those of us who, like me, are from Ohio. And we actually hiked into a blizzard. We got turned around. We couldn't get over the pass we were trying to get over. It ended up being like this 16-hour day where we went up, we came back down, we tried to find a camping spot. It was hard work, and I was so not mentally prepared for it, never having thought that there can be snow in the summer in Colorado. And those of us who live here know it can really snow any day of the year here, and it also rains and hails frequently, especially early in the summer when a lot of you are climbing. And keep in mind, Colorado is not the Himalayas. It's not the Andes. How much more intense could this weather be for those of you who are heading to the super high altitudes? So couple of things. Definitely check out my previous episode about mental toughness, which talks about getting out in the weather and giving yourself an opportunity to test gear and also just prepare your mind for weather-related discomfort, which is more likely to happen than not. And as I say in that episode, as long as it's safe, there's no tornado, no extreme heat index, no extreme wind chill, make it a rule that you get outside for your workouts and especially that long workout that's your most important workout as a an endurance athlete. So don't get discouraged by the weather. <laughs> the weather just is. We can't change it. The best thing we can do is just be prepared for all kinds of weather and all kinds of weather-related discomfort and even expect a little bit of that to be there. So number two thing, champions don't do that we shouldn't either. They don't obsess over perfect foods. So before we dive into this, I do want you to know that nutrition is so important to performance. And I think the thing that a lot of people lose sight of is that there are many paths to great nutrition. My personal take, and (laughs) I'm sorry if this sounds harsh or whatever, but I think often people who are adhering to a super rigid diet, like they've been eating paleo for seven years and they never ever cheat, I think those people have a lot of time on their hands to think about this and to shop and prepare the food. And here's the thing, endurance training, it's so time intensive. So my personal take is it's important to keep shopping, keeping your diet, keeping your meal prep as simple as possible because you're spending a lot of time on your running or your hiking or whatever it is your sport is. Also, keep in mind, especially if you're going to be doing this for a long time and go all over the world, your mountaineering, trekking, hiking, trail running career, it's going to take you to places where there is emphatically no whole foods, no, I mean, technically in a lot of these places, everything is organic because it's straight out of the ground, but you do not have a whole lot of choice in what you're eating, what's presented to you. You'll go to the store. There'll be, instead of like 20 options, there'll be three, or maybe there will just be one brand of ice cream or brand of rice or brand of ketchup that you can buy. You're just going to have to eat a lot of times what's there. And if you got yourself convinced that you can only eat organic kill smoothies with acai berries, you're going to have a bad time. So here's my advice. Really establish a minimum baseline that you will strive to eat by most of the time and then let a lot of the other stuff go. So for example, for my own life, I don't eat trans fat at all if I know it's there. And I try to look and make sure the food I'm eating doesn't have it. I try to go moderate with sodium, with saturated fat, with added sugar. I try to eat lots of fresh fruits and veggies. Beyond that, there's not a whole lot of rules and that keeps things nice and simple, saves me a lot of time. 
So number three thing champions don't do that we shouldn't either. They don't buy into the hype. So when Chris was writing about this, he's thinking specifically of things like media coverage, social media chatter, judgments of athletes, so-called experts comparing athletes to one another. And granted, as amateur athletes, some of us getting ready to climb our first mountain, we don't have the paparazzi out chasing us, trying to take our pictures. And we don't have like the sportscasters analyzing our performance. But I do think that this still can come up for us in a couple of ways. So one of the first ones, I think, is comparing ourselves, our body, our running splits, anything to people on social media. There's just endless social media out there for us to consume. And the thing about social media is it's always kind of showing the best part of that athlete's journey. Generally, people aren't posting pictures of their terrible runs. I thought in their terrible training hikes. So yesterday when I had my horrible training hike where I got heat exhaustion and stung by two bees, I have zero pictures from that. I was just not enjoying it. I was thinking in my mind, I don't really want anyone else to see this. I put a little bit up about it and I put a a snapshot of the stats. But other than that, it didn't get the same play as the day before, for example, when we were in Creston and hiking to this beautiful lake and everything was beautiful and everything went well and the weather was perfect. So just keep in mind that training is always 50-50. It's got good parts. It's got bad parts. You're probably only seeing the good parts on social media. So why on earth would you compare yourself <laughs> to someone else's best parts of their training, of their life, of their journey? Another thing that could come up while we're in training is hearing judgments from others. And this can happen on social media. People can leave like nasty comments. But I think, especially as amateur athletes, more often we hear this from people in our lives. Maybe there's some doubt in your partner's voice when you talk about your trip or maybe there are people in your life that make comments about your body, your age. Maybe they think you're too focused on this mountaineering thing and you should spend more time focused on your kids or focused on your job. People are going to have all kinds of opinions about what you do. That's just life. Some of them are more explicit about stating them than others, but you're definitely going to start noticing it happening all around you. And the important thing to remember, uh, and I think this is what a champion would remember, is that none of these things are about you. These are coming from other people's thoughts, their beliefs, and those beliefs and thoughts may be completely false. And really, it says more about them than it says about you. And it's so important just to keep your focus there. Be like, hey, this has nothing to do with me. And sometimes that's hard, but definitely necessary if you're going to be in the sport for a long term. And we also do this to ourselves. We can be our own worst critics, our own worst judges. We can start believing all the bullshit we think about, you know, how we're not good enough or we've never been an athlete. And sometimes our self-talk to ourselves is just not very nice. Sometimes we motivate ourselves by being mean to ourselves. If that lands for you, definitely listen to the podcast episode on dirty motivation because that's what that's all about. It's so common. It has its own episode, but just not buying into the the criticism, the judgment, and 
just being motivated from your own self, your own feelings, your own excitement, your own drive. I think that's so, so important in our sport. Number four thing champions don't do, we shouldn't do it either. They don't get intimidated by the odds. So I think this one comes a lot up a lot for those of us who are amateurs, who are hobbyists, who are maybe new to this. So for example, if you go to the National Park Service website, there's actually climbing stats on there every year back to the 1800s for Mount Rainier. And they show you how many people attempted and what percent of them actually got to the top. And it's consistently in the past few years, about 50%, about half the people that attempt to climb Mount Rainier, they don't make it. And this can be a tough thought to sit with. And it can also be an opportunity for us to sabotage ourselves. We can sometimes use this as an excuse to not be all in. And that's true both in training and on our actual summit day. We don't necessarily consciously think, well, you know, if only half the people get to the top, I shouldn't waste too much time. But it can operate in our unconscious mind too. And we might be thinking things under the surface like, oh, if I don't commit 100%, I'll be less disappointed when I don't get to the summit, which there's a good chance that will happen. And can you see how that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy? If you don't go all in, you really are 50% less likely to make it to the top, even if maybe you actually could made it, have made it to the top. I mean, some of those 50% are obviously going to be things like weather conditions or avalanche conditions where it's smart not to get to the top. But a lot of those people just maybe couldn't push through their own discomfort, their own bullshit to (laughs) figure out how to make it happen. So here's the thing to remember if you catch yourself in this trap champions, they go all in, even against great odds. If you think about maybe what's a sport we all watch in the Olympics, probably like gymnastics. There's dozens and dozens of gymnasts there from all over the world. And really only one team can win. Pretty much everyone else who's there is not going to win. And yet they all train, they all show up, they all perform in the meet like they could be the winner. It's like almost like for some of them, they're chasing an impossible goal. And if they lose, they lose knowing they did everything possible to win. And even if they don't win, they have become, through that process of becoming the team that could win, completely different athletes, even just by showing up and attempting. So think how this applies to you. What could you achieve with your fitness, your diet, your mindset, your life, if you committed 100% to becoming the person who could climb your mountain? And sometimes I think it's fun to even be like, what if I could become a person that could climb K2? What if I could become a person that could climb Denali? What if I could become a person that could speed pack the Appalachian Trail? Maybe just find a goal that seems impossible to you, just unreachable, and go for it and just notice what happens in your life. I think you'll probably see some amazing transformation. Whether or not you get there, Like things are really going to change if you really go into it 100% with a whole heart. So last thing champions don't do that the rest of us shouldn't do either, they don't look to the next competition. So for example, athletes who go to the Olympics more than once, they're kind of rare. So when you're an athlete, a young athlete there for the first time, 
you really need to treat this like it's your one shot. There's no guarantee that you're going to be back. You can't think things like it doesn't matter if if I win or not because I can always come back because the odds are you're probably not going to come back. So how does this apply to our mountaineering lives? I do think this one is a little more complicated because I do think that giving yourself some spaciousness to think that you can always come back to the mountain can actually help you make good safety decisions. So for example, it can help you turn around when you're facing unsafe or dangerous conditions. And to dive more into how the brain science around this works, definitely check out my episode with Ken Yaffe on how not to die in the mountains. He's a avalanche educator who just had so much interesting information about the psychology of all this. But keeping that in mind, assuming that there's always another time can also be another way to self-sabotage. And it can give us an excuse to maybe give up too easily when things are getting uncomfortable. Even though we can still go on, there will almost always be times in a mountaineering trip that we want to stop. Mountaineering and all the outdoor sports involve a, a lot of discomfort. And the truth is, that too many of us give up too easily when things are uncomfortable. And here's the truth I always like to remember. It's going to get less comfortable no matter what. As we get older, this is always, as I say in the intro to this show, the best time to climb a mountain. Mountaineering is never going to get easier than now. And also, you can tell yourself that you'll come back in a year, but you don't know what's going to happen in that year. In the main article that I'm riffing on. Chris Carmichael talks about being a young cyclist and he was riding in the Tour de France and his team did well, but they didn't really place or win. And he remembers thinking, oh, you know, like feeling disappointed and then thinking, oh, well, for sure, I'll be back next year. And then, of course, what happens, he's out like skiing with his friends and he breaks his femur. And although he was eventually able to come back to the sport and to ride in the Tour de France again, he was like, yeah, that I didn't realize it, but that season was my peak. I never became as strong again. We never performed as well again as a team. And I just, you know, when I think back about that, I wish I had really seized that moment and enjoyed that moment for everything it was because I was just really stuck in this place of thinking, oh, there'll be another time and the other time will be better when really this was the best time of all and to just treat and and what it be like for us as athletes to treat every time we're on the mountain that way to be like this is the time i'm going to enjoy it like it's the last time even if it's not going perfect even if it's not going like i like i think that's such a good outlook to go into any kind of mountaineering trip. And it will also just make your mountaineering career so much more enjoyable, keep you coming back for more, keep you sustainable over the long term. So friends, there you go. Five things that champs don't do that we shouldn't do either. I hope that's been fun to hear. I hope you've had fun and enjoyed watching the Olympics. And it's just started as I'm recording this, but hopefully your team, your country taking home lots of medals. Hope you're excited about it. And yeah, if you had any questions about the episode, definitely hit me up on Instagram at Miss Adventure Pants all one word, or definitely check out my Facebook group. It's called Mountaineers and Backpackers in Training. I'll put some links in the show notes. And yeah, until later, have a wonderful week and I'll catch you right here next week. 
Hey friend, if you're enjoying the pod, there are two simple and free ways you can show your support. First of all, please share this with a friend who might find it helpful. And second, please leave a review on iTunes. Your support means the world to me. Thanks so much for tuning in.